3: terms and conditions apply
0: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love
3: This is The Edge with Jonathan Von and Matt Humans on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
1: What up? Welcome in. We got a good show on tap here on The Edge. 30 minutes from now, Greg Hoops Peterson is going to be with us, host of the Greg Peterson Experience. He will join us to discuss a large slate of college basketball. Actually, I had a pretty good one last night, too. Did you know, Matt Humans? Mm-hmm. The heated rivalry. Between Stanford and San Jose, extended out to six consecutive wins for the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, I did know that. The last coach to lose
1: in that (laughs) rivalry for Stanford was Mike Montgomery. Really? Back in 1992. Yes, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. But uh, we have to talk about another rivalry today. And that would, of course, be the rivalry within the (laughs) NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers last night. (laughs) How about this, huh? We told you. It's yesterday. not a
2: rivalry if one side can't win.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, and uh, yeah. little Shanny and the San Francisco 49ers have done a good job against the Los Angeles Rams as of late. But the final score from last night, 31-10, to 10, immediately. A 14-0 <laughs> lead for the San Francisco 49ers. It a, was a 97-yard drive to open it up. Over 18 plays in 10 minutes to get that touchdown on the board. They pick six then to give them that 14-0 lead, and they yeah. never look back from there. They rarely give the Los Angeles Rams the ball. And it's funny, I had brought this up multiple times. Wrote about it in Point Spread Weekly. Yes, it was a buy-low spot for San Francisco. Was not expecting that last night, Matt.
2: No, I wasn't (laughs) expecting that either. I like the uh, Niners a little bit, but uh, didn't expect them to win by blowout. I think if you're on the Rams' side, and I know Sean McVay said last night, I refuse to believe this is who we are in the past two games, but uh, I think this is who Matthew Stafford is. Is it his fault in the pick six? Well, Stafford's uh, – Was a little behind. It wasn't a perfectly thrown yeah. pass, let's put it that way. And Stafford's not been very sharp at all. In fact, he was terrible in the game against the Titans. Yeah. He wasn't that good last night. This is the thing I questioned when the uh, the Rams made the trade, and you give up two first-round draft picks. Is Matthew Stafford that much better than Jared Goff?
1: I think he is.
2: Obviously, I think... I've never liked Jared Goff. I thought yeah. it was a complete joke that the Rams drafted him number one overall because mm-hmm. I watched him in college at Cal – I saw his five-interception game. I said, you got to be kidding me. They're going to take this guy with the number number one overall pick. I, I always contest that the Rams took Jared Goff number one overall because they are moving into the L.A. market and they needed somebody who was marketable mm-hmm. to sell to the fans. <laughs> so they picked this blonde-haired, blue-eyed quarterback and cow. that was going to yep. be the face of the franchise. Yep. Didn't, Matt, didn't bother to pay attention to the fact that the guy couldn't play. Right. But they just wanted to market somebody to L.A. and Jared Goff was the choice. Well, he obviously wasn't going to cut it, and uh, Sean McVay knew that. But is Matthew Stafford that much of an upgrade that you give away two first round draft picks? I don't know. I don't know. He's never won a playoff game in his career. I think he's better than Jared Goff. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how much better. Don't forget, Goff quarterback the Rams team that played in the Super Bowl.
1: Yes, he did. Uh, that's completely fair. And I think, look, I don't think there's any denying from like a physical skill set. Matthew Stafford is the better quarterback, right? He could push the ball further downfield. I think his tools that he has as a quarterback are a little bit better. Hey, uh, uh, to Marcus uh, Russell had great physical well, tools. If you don't
2: if you don't have the mental aptitude for it, and, and that's you're not what I was, get that far.
1: That's what I was going to get to. Is a guy mm-hmm. who is so rooted, you know me, like in terms of analytics and numbers, right, and number and like results on a page. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there is something to be said of a guy who's made it to the postseason only one time and hasn't really performed at that level yet. And now this is two consecutive appearances in prime time. And that's the other part about this too, right? If one of these performances happens at a 4 o'clock game in the afternoon, it's not as hyper-analyzed. But these are now back-to-back primetime performances from Matthew Stafford in which he has set up the opposition with either defensive touchdowns or very short fields that turn into touchdowns and Mm -hmm. has put his team behind the eight ball. So I still think they're better with Matthew Stafford, but I understand the critique of, well, we haven't seen it before in the past, and now we have two back-to-back performances in the limelight to show us that he hasn't really been that good.
2: I just question the entire Rams philosophy, not not so much – Uh, completely the Matthew Stafford deal, but trading away all the first-round picks, whether it be for Jalen Ramsey, who once again acting like a buffoon on the sideline last night, yelling at the defensive coordinator. Uh, You're going to trade away all your first-round draft picks and push our chips into the middle of the table. We're all in right now because Stan Kroenke wants his Rams to reach the Super Bowl in his stadium this year. That's why the Rams are all in. Cronky wants the Rams to play in the Super Bowl in the stadium, $5 billion stadium he, he built. You can't assemble a fantasy football team of uh, big names. Hey, hey we've got uh, Jalen Ramsey. We've got Von Miller. we got Odell Beckham. First of all, the Rams were a better offense when they had Robert Woods instead of Odell Beckham. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not going to put it all on Matthew Stafford because... The Rams were held to 10 points last night. I really think they're going
1: to miss Robert Woods, too. Yeah. Well, and here's my thing, and this is a name that I haven't really heard that much in the you know, aftermath of what happened last night. So one of the criticisms, and this will make sense in a second, but one of the criticisms of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, right, has been when you get behind, that offense and that quarterback mm-hmm. cannot make their way back from a deficit, right, the way that they play yeah. offense. Well, they fell, the Rams, in a big hole to the Cardinals. Remember, in week four, got blown out 37 to 20. They fell into a big hole against the Tennessee Titans last weekend, right? Didn't come back, ended up losing that game 28 to 16. And again last night, a 14 to nothing deficit, you can't climb your way back out, you end up getting blown out 31 to 10. Yeah. I think McVay's offense has kind of shown here that if it is not perfect from the opening drive, where right, your scripted plays are working really well, you get to open up a solid lead, you get to run the ball, work play action and everything's going from there, they haven't really shown the ability to come back in deficits That's like fair. this, right?
2: But they should be able to oh, they should. you got a quarterback who can throw the ball and uh, your offense should be built to overcome deficits. Also, like I said, I don't want to put all the blame on Stafford. I don't want it to come off that way. I thought Sean McVay coached a really poor game again yep. last night. What the hell is the deal with the fake field goal? You
1: have the fake field goal getting you away first the round,
2: You traded two first-round draft picks for this quarterback. If you're going to have somebody throw a pass, why wouldn't you have the quarterback throw the pass?
1: I'm with I hate fake special teams for the most part. Like, if you're going to go for it, go for it. Run your offense out there. Give yourself the highest probability of succeeding. I agree with that wholeheartedly. If you got Tom Brady, a
2: quarterback, and it's fourth down, are you going to pull Brady to the sideline and say, hey, Steven Gostkowski, you throw this pass. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, you just don't do that. Sean McVay, I, I have no idea what he was doing, but Kyle Shanahan's made a habit about coaching Sean McVay when they go head-to-head. Shanahan's been clowned by a lot of other coaches, but he's got the best of Sean McVay, that's for sure. Yep, Good call by you to uh, take the points with the – Niners last night, and uh, this just go ahead. This reinforces a point that uh, I've talked about on yesterday's show, and I wrote about for the New York Post and Point Spread Weekly, our magazine this week. There are no great teams in the NFL. Two weeks ago, you heard well, three weeks ago, the Buccaneers were still the favorites, the Super Bowl favorites. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, if you ask uh, who's the best team in the NFL, well, it was the Bills, and then the Bills have lost. Okay, the Bills have lost to the Steelers, the Jaguars. And the Titans. Right. They've got they're six and three. Right. You can tell me the Bills are the best team in the NFL. They're they're six and three, and they played a pretty weak schedule, by the way. Look at the quarterbacks the Bills have faced. Uh you preaching to the choir okay. on that one. Uh, and then you say, well, the Buccaneers are the best team. Nah, the Buccaneers have lost two in a row uh, since Halloween. Injured. How about the Rams? Rams might be the best. The only team the Rams have beat in the last four weeks is the Texans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the top five teams in the NFC were thirty and four. Through week seven, those five teams are six and eight <laughs> in the last three weeks. There just are no great teams in the NFL. So if you're and I think that plays into the uh, hands of the underdog betters too, because yeah. it plays into the hands of the bookmakers and the underdog betters because when you don't have any dominant teams or great teams you can count on to put on parlays or teasers from week to week, you're going to have chaos, and chaos is bad for the betting public. That's unpredictability, and that benefits the bookmaker, and that's what you have right now in the NFL. And this is one reason why bookmakers love the NFL.
1: And, look, and I came in – I've said this multiple times on this show, and I won't come off of it. still think the Rams are the best team in the NFC. I still like what they have together Mm -hmm. overall in the long run, but – you know, when you talk about chaos and parody in a sport like this. I was trying not to use a parody word. I hate that word. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, I, I, I didn't know again. that. I should have known that. Uh, regardless, <laughs> no, but when you talk about a, a sport, right, where it is so closely contested and uh-huh. then you get the equalizer that is the point spread but these favorites are going to be overvalued. This right. is the fourth straight week in which the Rams have failed to cover. They're now 4-6 and six against the spread this year. Right. So they've been greatly overvalued by the betting public as well. So this is what you get too. When you talk about the chaos that's not good for the betting public, then you get a team like this that has the public sentiment behind it and sure enough they're laying numbers that they shouldn't be like 16 and a half consecutive weeks against the lions and the texans seven against the titans and then four here on the road against mm-hmm. the san francisco 49ers all games which they have failed to cover so and that's what makes the point by the way you got numbers to back it up
2: underdogs in the nfl this season 85 and 61 wow. against the spread that's
1: 58.2 percent. that's pretty strong uh, dave yeah. tooley's excited dave tooley's really feeling it Really feeling great about it. So as you move on, San Francisco gets the Jacksonville Jaguars next week, and the Los Angeles Rams are going to buy like their wounds, and we'll see what they have coming out of said bye week. But
2: I'll tell you what, it better work out for the Rams this year or next because they've mortgaged the future to yes. uh, try to get to the Super Bowl this year or next year, and uh, those are two bad law blowout losses. Yes, back to back when uh,
1: when you're a favorite and that's not a good look for the Rams as they head into the bye week. So I, I want to get to Mac Jones, but we're up against it. And we have a lot to get to on that topic. So I, I'm going to I'm gonna audible. We're going to push that to next. Really quickly, uh, we had a big college hoop slate last night. We did get a little bit of madness yesterday with Marquette getting the win over Illinois yesterday. <laughs> Some uh, odd choices at yeah. the end there from Illinois from a game planning perspective or a game uh, management perspective. But what did you make of last night in college hoops? Anything stick out other than the upset? There
2: was a lot of stuff that stuck yeah. out. I thought it was a great night in
1: college hoops. Right? That's yeah. what I was watching all night.
2: I watched a little bit of uh, – the Bulls take down your Lakers last night. You tried to sell us on the Lakers on the show
1: yesterday. Uh, a little bit. Well, then, <laughs> just, did, did you watch the Knicks, though? Did you watch the Knicks? Your Knicks. Business, you
2: yeah? nailed the Knicks. That was a good call. The uh, Let's I, not talk about the Rock. I am not going to buy into the Lakers. Just not going to do it. And then once no. again, the Bulls last night, they're younger. They're faster. they better. They ran the Lakers off the court last night. I still think the Lakers are a dis- dysfunctional bunch. Anyway, uh, Brad Underwood used to be one of my favorite coaches. I don't know what the hell he was doing last night. Yep. Illinois loses that game. They have no business losing to Marquette. Uh, there were some good games on the West Coast last night, and uh, I think we're about out of time. But anyway, it was um, that's one that's one thing I love about college basketball is every night you got about twenty. 20- a Minimum 20 30 games yep. on the betting rotation, so you got plenty of stuff to pick from. And that's the case again tonight.
1: Yep, I completely agree with yeah, you. Tonight's loaded, that's why Greg Peterson is going to be with us in about 15 minutes from now. Get his thoughts on the slate and any games uh, that we are not looking Hoops. at. Have you ever
2: listened to the Greg Peterson podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops? Do I breathe oxygen?
1: <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> all right, we'll come back. Uh, I do want to talk about Mac Jozo on the other side because all of a sudden there's this pushback, like, hey, relax, he's not that good. And uh, I wonder why. what we're going to discuss that. Mac on the other Attack. Side.
5: I'm Katja Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
4: This is The Edge on vSen, the
3: sports betting network.
2: Hey, who doesn't love to go shopping on Black Friday? Thank the v- am. V- <laughs> <laughs> That's me. VSen Black Friday offer is here right now when you sign up for our $99 midseason football special. You'll also receive a $20 credit to the vSen store. How about that? Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season. Plus $20 to buy v sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and JVT posters right here at the South Point v Vsin store. Hurry, this is a limited-time offer. Sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift at v slash subscribe. Why don't we have like a... Life size blow up doll of JVT in the V store, or something like that. So, this a little cardboard I don't know about a cutout. Doll. How, about a, how about a cardboard cutout?
1: Uh, how about a fat head of me in the air mid layup? How about that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That'd
2: be good. It's got to be some sort of Greg Peterson uh, merchandise in the V store, right? That has to be
1: Greg Peterson experience. Hey, let's ask Greg. He's going to be with us in 15 minutes from now. All right, so I set this up. Uh, we're going to play a clip for you right here. So, one of the more quizzical moves that you and I—and again, we should be uh, upfront. This is a very pro-Patriot show. It is the most pro-Patriot show, not only at v but I'm willing to take a step forward and say, in sports media. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna say that. That's fair. Even from in the Boston area, uh, but. So the one of the more quizzical line moves early in the week was the Patriots going from a two-and-a-half favorite to a one-and-a-half point favorite against the Cleveland Browns. And it seemed like there was some early support for Cleveland. There was. And this is analysis. This is Colin Cowherd, Jason McIntyre from Fox, talking about this game and setting us some analysis here on this contest in favor of the Browns. But there's something interesting in this clip that I want to build on. But here are they at the beginning of last week.
0: Cleveland Browns, Patriots, two-point favorites, low total of 44. Colin, I absolutely like Cleveland a lot here. Love Cleveland. We see their defense getting healthier, right? Uh, Denzel Ward locked down corner, gave up one reception, had the 99-yard pick six. I think the offensive line of the Patriots is improving, but they're going to be under duress here. And Mac Jones, Colin, let's be real about him. He's barely doing enough to get by. They are treating him like they treated Tom Brady early in his career. Game manager, handoff, simple game plan. I think Cleveland's got the better offense here.
1: Now, Be fair. I built the whole segment around the Atlanta Falcons and their improving offense, and they got blown out by the Dallas Cowboys. So mm-hmm. this is not to do that, all right? But the last bit of that analysis is—you and gets I talked
2: me. about using this actually before the weekend, yeah, uh, before the Browns Patriots game. We were on the Patriots and we saw these stooges talking about <laughs> the Browns, and
1: <laughs> <laughs> we said, we, we got
2: to use it. We didn't get a chance to use it on the Friday show, but it goes back to uh, what you're going to say. This uh, this narrative in the media that kind on from all these. All the, I I don't think these people are watching games. That Mac Jones is just a game manager. He's just
1: doing enough to get by. He's a lot more than that. Pay attention. Yes, I agree. Now, if you look from a PFS standpoint, he's actually right now well within their top ten in terms of highest grade of quarterbacks in the national football. I I saw somebody
2: today on Twitter say, in the future, Mac Jones has a chance to be a solid quarterback. (laughs) In the future? I think somebody responded to one of your tweets and said that today. He's got a chance down the road to be a solid starter in the He's a top ten starting quarterback right now. He's he the, really is. He's the ninth highest
1: <laughs> pay- graded passer by PFF standards. Um, he has been great in all assets of in all assets of his game right now. And here's the thing, and this is why I just don't really understand it. Because if you remember last year. Justin Herbert played like four games, and the collective oh, we're yeah. in. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, this, I, is a, this is a starting quarterback for fifteen years. I've, we're always,
2: all in. I've always been all in on Justin Herbert. I mean, since the days at Oregon when he was held back by his offensive coordinator, who was a buffoon. But jo- Justin Herbert's got all the tools. I think that's why people buy in. Yeah, he's 6'5", 240. five, two forty. He's got have, rocket arms. Doesn't have old kid. lady
1: hips, right? The yeah, wide uh, that's hips. the thing.
2: Matt Jones also. Justin Herbert's got athletic ability. He can get out of the pocket and run. Matt Jones doesn't look like an athlete, right? He kind there of he looks. Tom Brady at the combine twenty some years ago. There was
1: a great, there was a great tweet. That I should have sent it. It was two pictures. It was one of Mac Jones shirtless, and it was one of G- Miles Garrett shirtless. <laughs> oh and boy. it said, "Mac Jones pre-gave me a spaghetti Halloween candy and a soda." <laughs>
2: hey, what's wrong with that?
1: Yeah, but no, right but ahead. then underneath, you know what it said? Both teams five and four. You know what I mean? Like yeah, exactly. No, but in, and he- by
2: the way, Mac Jones' team just beat. Yep. Just beat uh, Garrett's team 45-7. to seven. Well, and, and Put so up this uh, graphic yep. real quick. This is Mac Jones talking about the Patriots and how they've gained confidence. Quote, we're confident and we know what the formula formula is for winning games. And uh, the formula is to play great defense, which they have lately. Uh, run the ball. They run it very effectively. And Mac Jones can make all the throws. He really can. Yep. The and- Patriots, the formula is well-rounded. I don't think they have a weakness uh, right now. Uh, the Patriots have won and covered four straight
1: games, outscoring opponents 150 to 50 during that stretch. It's been absolutely great. And those four covers, by the way, those four consecutive wins and covers represented by the fact that, look, the market was a little low on the New England Patriots. Well, that's for a changed while. this week. And it has changed this yeah. week, right, against the Atlanta Falcons. And so there's always, as pro Patriots show, you always got to know what, what's the old saying? Got to know you, when to hold them, got to know when to fold them, right? right I think right. this is where you fold them. Well, I'm going to sit this one out, yeah. Sometimes yes.
2: you just got to uh, sit one out, and uh, I'm going to sit this So I did put the Patriots on a teaser uh, this week, so I'll use that on Best Bets. But this is the point, JVT, where we talk about inflation, mm-hmm. uh, where I don't agree with the Patriots being – Johnny Avello, DraftKings Sportsbook director on the show with us yesterday, he goes, I like this Patriots team a lot, but I think this line is just a little bit too high. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said it best. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think this is where you see the inflation – kick in also the Falcons are Corderell Patterson's
1: out right yeah he's dealing with an injury I don't know if he's officially out yet but I know he was dealing with an injury I'll double check right they're
2: now. coming off the blowout loss so the perception of the Falcons is back to uh the basement prior to their uh, stretch of good play that we talked about last week on the show so I think you've got that that factor to uh, keep in mind as well the Patriots are hot the Falcons are not but still I think the right number in this game somewhere like four and a half or five and uh, you're not going to get me to lay seven here. Yeah,
1: look ahead was four, so it speaks to the adjustment. You know, I'm always talking about market adjustments. Like, this is a very good example Mm -hmm. of a market adjustment. Four consecutive covers for a team, market extremely low on them. They finally, the market wakes up to it, and then you get the massive swing in the other direction, where now they're up to seven. Cordero Patterson, limited yesterday in practice, appeared on the practice field today, so it does look like maybe he'd be... Uh, okay. a participant on Thursday, but dealing with an ankle injury. So that's something to monitor. Uh, he's the Falcons MVP at this point right now. Sure. Even over Kyle Pitts, he's been absolutely incredible. Uh, but By the way, you know who drafted him in the first round? Vikings, right? Yeah, Yeah. Vikings first round draft pick. And now he's an everyman for the Atlanta Falcons. I know. Uh, I would argue MVP in a very weak MVP yeah. race at this point right now. But that's just me. Anyway, so that's the whole point of this conversation was to kind of put out there that I, it, I just find it weird that all of a sudden over this last week there's been this pushback. I'm like, hey, Mac Jones really isn't that good. Like I, I they think he is. And I think.
2: He had a couple games early in the season where he wasn't that good. Right. And, and, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. And also, he has not played like a rookie since then. In fact, he, uh, he had a couple off games. It's not like he played, was terrible. In those games, he didn't play terribly, but uh, yeah, he threw a couple picks, had some def- a couple deflected passes, got picked off. Patriots uh, were losing home games, and it was easy to say, "Well, Mac Jones, uh, not that great." But if you watch these games closely, first of all, the play calling kind of handcuffed him. A and that's bit. what I was going to say is their yeah. weakness.
1: Yeah. Josh McDaniels at times was kind of holding the kid back for a little bit. And you saw there's still some ability there if they want to press it downfield. He had a pretty good throw downfield. Well, he
2: had a great throw the, for, for the touchdown to Bourne. Yep. How
1: that's many guys
2: cool, man. in the league make that throw? Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that was a big time, high level throw that he made to Bourne for the touchdown. He is playing right now like one of the top 10 quarterbacks. Okay. This is for tomorrow's show. Okay. You rank your top 10 quarterbacks in the league. Okay. I'll rank my top 10 quarterbacks. We'll compare the list. Don't copy the Pro Football Focus list.
1: I won't. No, okay. I like to. I I like to use a lot of stuff. All right. It's you know Make the third yeah. list the Pro Football Focus list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll, we'll compare and contrast. Okay. Mine will be better. Uh, by the way, you <laughs> see the NFL awards. Uh, the top three there: Mac Jones, the second choice to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, after Jamar Chase has slowed down a bit. Plus one twenty. A very quick aside, too. By the way, since these are up, so you see Defensive Rookie of the Year: Micah Parsons, dollar sixty favorite. Patrick Sertan, nine to one. Uh, uh, Adolfo oh, oh man, I butchered his name. He's eleven to one. Uh, but I want to point out something: defensive rookie of the year. You talk about PFF, their highest graded defensive rookie is thirty-five to one to win the award. Quitty Pay, Quitty Pay of the Indianapolis Colts. He's had a great season.
2: Colts have had some really good defensive draft picks the last few years.
1: Yeah, did a pretty good job.
2: Darius Leonard, how good a pick was that? Uh, pretty
1: damn good. Yeah. <laughs> He's been pretty. He Colts have done a nice forward.
2: job drafting. See, that's one thing. That's the Rams are not going to be able to build their team through the draft like that because they traded everything away. Yep. Uh, but the Colts have done a really good job drafting. I, I would say, you know, I might be worth a shot at thirty-five to one because. It's not like Micah Parsons or Patrick Sertan have eye popping stats that mean they're going to run away with that award,
1: right? Yeah. No, I agree. I think the problem is you're trusting you're trusting humans to actually do their work instead of just looking at box scores. That's always right? dangerous. Because uh, Quiddi mm-hmm. is not a, a stat sheet stuffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is more of a you know a defend the edge very well. Only has one sack this year, but plays it run well and has a lot of pressure. So uh, that's the one worry is that a lot of people are just going to go, he's got one sack, and then not realize right. that you know there's more to the job than just rushing the passer. It's going to be a problem.
2: All right. Could be worth a small bet. Anyway, top ten quarterbacks on tomorrow's show.
1: All right. Well, we don't. We'll do this in the next hour, but we have a lot to get to. We have college football too. Super Bowl picks. It's... I promised those yesterday. Oh yeah.
2: As of today, what's your pick for the Super Bowl? All right. Because I, somebody asked me this question every week, and somebody asked me Sunday night when I, when I walked into Circa, and this is what I said: Packers, Patriots.
1: Okay, I like. And how I, I think in the V
2: Sing Pro Football Betting Guy before the season, I went. Bucks, patriots Okay. You ready for be- mine? How about Belichick-Brady? Would that be? Yeah. You ready for mine? A soap opera storyline. Go ahead.
1: Packers. Uh-huh. Bengals. Ooh. Wow. Argue with it. Wow. Tell wow. me I'm wrong. Okay. Who's the best team in the AFC? Tell me I'm wrong. Patriots. All right. We'll come back. <laughs> we'll come back. Uh, Greg Hoops-Peterson is going to be with us, host of the Greg Peterson Experience. You got some college hoops to get to.
3: This is The Edge on v the Sports Betting
2: Network. Welcome back. This blockbuster segment of The Edge is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. It's the first way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and more. And for your convenience... Each variety comes in two strengths. You can easily find a satisfaction level. That's right for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. So it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to Zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's Z-Y-N.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. Let's bring on Greg Hoops Peterson, the host of the Coast to Coast Hoops podcast, what right? Do you say, Jamie?
1: Also, the Greg Peterson experience at GUnit underscore 81 up on Twitter. All right, Greg, uh, let's start with one of the premier matchups today, Michigan and Seton Hall. This thing opened some spots, nine, eight and a half, total 138. Now we're down to eight and a half and a total of 137. Short sample size for both teams. So what do you see here between these two?
4: I think that the backcourt of Seton Hall is going to be able to keep themselves in this one. I saw their game against Yale a few days ago, and they just looked incredibly incredible. You take a look at this team, and they wind up losing Shafar Reynolds in the offseason, but... At the same time, you've still got a bunch of guys that are able to fill it up for this team. Jared Roden actually has come off the bench for this team. He did so in that Yale game. He's a guy that's able to fill it up for this team. Ike Obiagu is someone that wound up averaging nearly three blocks per game for Seton Hall as well. So I think that he's going to be a relatively solid matchup against Hunter Dickinson. Dickinson probably gets a couple rebounds, but I think that'll pester him a little bit inside. And I think that this is a game that winds up coming down to late game following as well, which is why I do like this total over. I set my total more around about a 141, 141.5-ish personally. So, seeing this come down a point or two, I like the over. And I think getting 8.5 here with C all is pretty solid value. I want take taking the points.
2: All right. If you haven't listened to it yet, listen to the great Hoops Peterson Coast to Coast podcast. It's remarkable what this kid does. He runs through every game on the board, talks 100 miles an hour, and spits out <laughs> stats so fast you can't keep track. Greg, I uh, listened to it this morning. Great job. Uh, you're a workhorse on uh, the college hoops. And the Virginia Houston game tonight is an interesting one because when you talked about this last night in your podcast, the line was eight, some spots eight and a half. The total was a little bit higher, too. It was around 123. Right now, we're looking at a total of 119.5, and, and Houston as a five and a half points favorite. Those are the numbers at Circa. So, how do you handicap this game? And now, how do you look at it maybe differently at these numbers?
4: This is a spot in which I wound up setting Virginia as a five point underdog. So, Getting five and a half. I'm seeing a couple straight sixes out there. There's still value, but no question, you want to miss in the best of the number in this spot because it wound up opening up right in the neighborhood about eight, eight and a half. So we have seen a line move, and it's justified because a lot of people are talking about the fact that Virginia lost an Navy, and that is not a good loss. But on that same night, Houston very not nearly lost on their home Florida Hofstra as well. Hofstra, a solid program, but not a loss that Houston should be taking as well. So I feel like the I guess you could call it deficiencies of Virginia are being a little bit just over-exemplified. Meanwhile, with Houston, they've got their own warts as well that they're trying to deal with, so I did feel like this line was a little bit too aggressive. If I had to play it here at 5.5, I'd still be taking a look at the points. Obviously, you wind up losing value, and I felt like the opening total of 123 was right, so seeing this thing crash down to right around 119.5, seeing a couple straight 120s out there. I see some value with the over because I do think that it's going to be right around a five, six-point game with a minute left to go. And when you wind up getting five to six-point games with a minute left to go, you get the march to the free throw line. So I do like this total over.
1: All right, Greg, let's go to uh, one of the night games here. It's uh, on a somewhat neutral court, but uh, over at the Motor Center, Oregon Ducks playing host to the BYU Cougars. It's four on the open with a total of 141.5. Pretty much status quo, four or four and a half out there between these two. Uh, what have you seen from both BYU and Oregon early, and what do you make of this matchup?
4: What I think is going to be key for Oregon is that BYU is a little bit banged up in the front court. So that is going to be able to give Oregon a little bit of an edge there. They bring in Quincy Garrier. He comes in from Syracuse. He has been absolutely tremendous for this Oregon team in Oregon. Wound up dump trucking SMU over the weekend. Meanwhile, BYU, they got a solid win of their own against San Diego State. The big key for Oregon is going to be shutting off Alex Barcelo. Over the last two years, the guy is shooting right around 48% from three. It is absolutely remarkable what he is doing. But you've also got Will Richardson on the other side for Oregon. He and Jacob Young are combining for over 30 points per game. I think that that backcourt duo is going to be able to outmatch one of BYU. And when it comes to Oregon, this is a pseudo home game for them. This is a game that's about 90 minutes away from Eugene. Obviously, BYU fans are going to need to travel a little bit more as this is being played on the home court of the Portland Trailblazers. But I wanted setting Oregon as a six-point favorite, so seeing a four-and-a-half here, I like that. And I set this a sort little of more around about a 142, 142-and-a-half, 142 so a little bit of an edge to the over as well.
2: All right, good deal. We've got a couple more games to talk about here. Greg, did you bet many uh, college hoops futures?
4: I did not wind up diving into the hoops futures just because I'm going to be looking at this more game by game this season. And once we get into NCAA tournament play, what I always love to do is what is always called the money line rollover, where if you like a team to be able to win the NCAA tournament, you put one unit on the money line for them, you go throughout. And if someone winds up getting banged up, I'm looking at you, Auburn, from 2019. You're able to walk away if you don't like what Mm -hmm. you see.
2: All right. When did you have time to sleep this morning after all the st- uh, work you did overnight? Did you sleep from like 7 to 9 this morning or what?
4: Uh, we wound up getting in a nice quality 15 minutes of coffee time to be able to recharge. Just got in my jug, so we were doing all good there. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, do you still have the same girlfriend?
4: Uh, the same girlfriend from April. So okay. yeah, however long it's been, that's how long it's been. the well, last blur. time They're
2: I asked you blur. if you had a girlfriend, you said you're in a relationship with college basketball and you didn't have time for chicks. So that's changed, huh?
4: It's changed a little bit. We've got time for a little bit of everything at this point. All
2: right, let's talk about uh, North Dakota State and Arizona. How about the scheduling quirk, uh, Greg? The North Dakota State team was in Vegas last night, lost a 64-62 game to UNLV at the buzzer. Now goes down to Tucson. Arizona, a 16 and a half point favorite. Some spots at 17, total of 140. This should be a spot where the Wildcats uh, win by blowout. What do you think?
4: I like this total over. You take a look at Arizona, they have been really cranking up the tempo. That's something that Tommy Lloyd talked about coming into the season. And We know the track record of Tommy Lloyd coming over from Gonzaga. Gonzaga, obviously, one of the most efficient offenses that we've really seen this millennium in college basketball, and they right now look really good. Ben Matherin has been able to give this team double figures. Azulas Tabelas has been incredible for the team, and you mentioned with North Dakota State. I mean, whoever wound up setting up the schedule for them did absolutely no favors whatsoever. You have to go from Nevada, and now you have to travel down to Arizona. It's a spot in which I wound up setting Arizona as more around a 21 and F point favorite, and I did wind up giving Arizona a point point half more on the edge because of the scheduling spot. With North Dakota State, they're a team that they hang their head a little bit more on defense, but I think they're going to be tired legs. I think that Arizona is going to be able to beat them to the punch quickly. This turns into a little bit of open gym in the second half, So I'm willing to lay it here with Arizona, even though we've seen a slight line move on this game, and I'm taking a look at the over.
1: Greg, what do you make of Nevada and Santa Clara? Because Nevada's coming off of that loss to the Toreros. Uh, didn't look great. There's a very big favorite, and now they get P.J. Pipes and the Broncos. Pipes looked great in that game against Stanford, and this number's uh, crashing a bit. This is down to as low as one in favor of the Wolfpack with a total of 151.
4: Well, I'll say this. I think that Nevada is going to fare a little bit better than our good friend Stanford did at Santa Clara yeah. a couple days ago. That was a really bad showing, but I like Nevada in this game. I do think that they're going to be able to bounce back. A big reason why A.J. Brahma, he was a 20-10 and 10 player while he was at Robert Morris. He winds up transferring into Nevada in that game against San Diego. He was not in the fold for them. Now, it looks like K.J. Himes is going to be out for this game, so adjust accordingly there. And as a result, I want up setting Nevada as more around a five-point favorite P.J. Pipes, who you mentioned, has looked absolutely magnificent, was a solid scorer at UW-Green Bay. He's coming to Santa Clara. He's putting in right around 17 points per game. You've got some good versatility with guys like Keyshawn Davidson and company, but when it comes to Santa Clara, they don't necessarily have that as much of that one main ball handler. I think that Grant Shurfield along Desmond Cambridge in the back of Nevada going to be the difference, and also wound up saying this total at a 151 and half, So right around what we're seeing with regards to the total, might have a slight, slight lean to the over if you don't have the hook there, but looking at Nevada, but laying the very small number.
2: Okay, two more to ask you about quickly. How about 625-26 on the rotation? The Chicago State Cougars and Loyola, Chicago tonight. A city rivalry, if you want to call it that. The number is 33, total is 142. Greg, you love to fade Chicago State. Are you going to do it tonight?
4: We are going to – I have given Chicago State some credit. They were able to knock off St. Thomas. They looked very solid in their follow-up game against SIU-Edwardsville. But I said loyal Chicago is a 34-point favorite. But just to put context on this, a week ago I would have probably made this line 40. So give a little bit of credit to Chicago State. Still fading them, though.
2: All right, one more. How about uh, St. Louis and Memphis? Are you buying into Memphis as a legit uh, top 15 team? And Memphis tonight, 10.5-point favorite. Total 143 against the Billikens.
4: I am. Very unfortunate situation for St. Louis. Javante Perkins goes down weeks before the season. Amani Bates, Jalen duran they have looked very solid. I felt like the line of 11.5 was relatively appropriate. Now that we're seeing it down to 10, 10 10.5, I think that Memphis has some good value here, willing to lay the points.
2: All right, Greg Peterson, when can we listen to the Greg Peterson experience? When can we watch it too?
4: Friday and Saturday, 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern, wherever you find VEASAN, the Betting Network.
1: All right, and Coast to Coast Hoops, check that out as well, the pod by Greg Peterson. Greg, good to talk to you, bud. Thanks, man.
4: Always a pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. All
1: right, you got it. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we have best bets to recap and to give, and I have something to say about something that transpired earlier today.
3: This is The Edge on v the Sports Betting Network.
1: DraftKings. Got it. All right, last couple of minutes. DraftKings, seven and a half on the Colts, huh?
2: How about that? DraftKings just goes to seven and a half on the Colts. And a couple other spots out there got it too. So I'm going to have to take that seven in the hook with the uh, – our Colts this week
1: as will I as will I so we'll add that uh, retroactively to best bets but uh, let's get to it recap from last night look ahead to today uh, first up for me NBA from last night and a play for tonight Knicks minus three and a half get there after a strong fourth quarter touch and go for a while but outscore the Pacers in the final quarter to play and ultimately get there and win and cover against Indiana to snap the uh, nice 6-1 ATS run that the Pacers had going in their previous Mm -hmm. seven games. And Rockets, plus 11, absolutely demolished by the Grizzlies last night. But the theory still stands. Grizzlies, one of the more overvalued teams of the NBA, will continue my assault against them at the window. Today... Give me the Warriors plus three and a half against the Brooklyn Nets. No Joe Harris tonight for the Brooklyn Nets. Hurts a tad bit for a team that's very perimeter oriented. No Paul Millsap either. That doesn't really move the needle. Uh, but look, this is a really good litmus test for Golden State. This is the best half-court defense in the NBA in Golden State versus the best half-court offense in the Brooklyn Nets. I do think that Golden State, who lost to Charlotte the other day, was kind of getting ready for him. What was about to transpire tonight in the primetime spot against the Nets. I believe in this team defensively, tend to uh, value defense a little bit more so. Give me the Warriors, plus three and a half, down to three, pretty much everywhere. San Diego last night, speaking of three and a half, did not cover against Cal. I think it was a tie game at the half. It was. Got, got away late. And they opened up a six-point lead in the second half, too, mm-hmm. but ultimately could not hold on. Well-played game, though. It was a really good game, too, at that, but Cal ultimately wins and covers. So, Toreros, plus three and a half. They take the loss.
2: The Bears from Cal Berkeley not going to win many games this year.
1: No, not many. But there's one of them last night. And Texans <laughs> plus ten and a half night. against the Titans still on the card there, and the Colts catching that hook with the seven will be on the card too.
2: Yeah, I put that up there as well. So you, you played the Texans plus ten and a half. Yep. And uh, I will play the Colts plus seven and a half. But that's not part of today's best bet segment. I'm gonna start with uh, college football, and I mentioned these on the morning show with Mitch and Paul, in Nevada. Minus one and a half over Air Force on uh, Friday night in Reno. West Virginia over a Texas team that's a mess. West Virginia minus two and a half. By the way, Bijan Robinson, Texas' uh, stud running back out for the season with a dislocated elbow to uh, add insult to injury or the other way around. Mm-hmm. Add yes. injury to insult. UCLA minus three over USC. I'll talk about this game a little bit more on tomorrow's show when we have more time. And uh, Hawaii, plus two and a half, taking the home dog in Honolulu. The Rainbow Warriors, 3-0 ATS as home dogs this season. They beat Fresno State. And they lost yeah. uh, close calls to San Jose and San Diego State. And I don't think Colorado State should be favored in this game, despite Hawaii's poor performance. Totally different team on the islands as it is over here on the mainland. And uh, I think you're going to see Hawaii bounce back and win that game. So it took Hawaii, plus two and a half, late Saturday night, the last game on the board, College Hoops.
1: Oh man, what a slaughter last night!
2: Texas Tech minus 22 and a half. That number closed, I think, around 24 and a half, 25. Didn't matter. Texas Tech won the game by 35 last night over Prairie View. Just a, as ugly a scheduling spot as you're going to find in College Hoops for Prairie View, playing three games in four days against Michigan, uh, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. Uh, so, Texas Tech was an easy winner. Last night that's six and four on the college season. Tonight we're gonna play and I sent these in like I said this morning, so I'm not cheating on the number, but when I talked about it on the morning show and I bet it Virginia was an eight point dog to Houston, okay. that is now down to five and a half. I would not say I would not play it at
1: five and a half. Seemed like quite the overreaction to the loss to Navy, right? Opening it that high?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no question. And uh, if Armand F- Franklin, the Indiana transfer shows up. I think uh, Virginia's got a shot to win this game, and uh, I I took eight. It's going to be – this is going to be a a grinder, a low-scoring game. Love grinders. It is going to be a half-court game where baskets are hard to come by. Eight points is a valuable number in a game like that with a total of 120. Also played Oregon, minus four over BYU. I I like Will Richardson, maybe as a Pac-12 player of the year, the best guard in the conference potentially. Uh, you also got Jacob Young, Quincy Guerriere, the Syracuse transfer. Now, BYU's best player is Alex Porcello, Mm -hmm. and uh, he's going to get his tonight. But I've got a lot of questions about the Cougars aside from him. I have a lot of confidence in this Oregon team. The game's in Portland, and uh, I don't think BYU can get it done away from home. I did play BYU on Friday night, minus three against San Diego State. That game was in Provo, and that was down to the wire. BYU won by six. I think Oregon gets somewhere between like a six and nine point, six and ten point win uh, tonight in Portland. So I laid the four with the Ducks. So Virginia plus eight, Oregon minus four in college hoops. And I think that's it. I'll put up NFL tomorrow. All right. Colts plus will,
1: seven and a half will be one. Yes, we'll be in agreement on that. If you will give me a moment, I have something to say. About what,
2: something. Do have, what do you have to say? I'm
1: going to read you a headline, I think you know where I'm going to go. Headline, Noah Syndergaard and the Los Angeles Angels – Reach a one-year, twenty-one million dollar deal. Okay, this morning, we're really doing this again.
2: Did they put any sort of uh, clause in the contract that he's <laughs> got to start at least ten games to get paid? Anything uh, like
1: that? It was not reported. I don't know, but uh, so this is what, what I mean. It's guaranteed. I think he's made two starts in two years. He has in a nine ERA. Is that, that right? Two starts. Yeah. Yep. So this is what we have here. Humans, you know where I'm going with this. You and I have talked about this many times. Start your money. It is the same thing every single year with this team. Artie Moreno. It, it is, it is by low on a need. The staff is a need. So let's go through this. Oh, this is irritating. You ready for this, Matt, Humans? Jose Quintana. Let's go here. Jose Quintana, the top of that list, one year, $8 million. He would make 24 appearances, 10 of which were starts, 675 VRA, cut before the end of August. Mm-hmm. Alex Cobb, only solid move. Cobb started 18 games, 376 ERA, 93 in a third innings of work. Still not a frontline ace, but credit where credit is due. Yeah. Cobb was solid. I like that one. How about Julio Tehran? 10 appearances, 9 starts, 10.05 ERA, 31 in a third innings. Not on the active roster by the end of the Absolutely season. That's so good. No. Dylan Bundy, perfectly fine in his first season, but last year 23 appearances, 19 starts, 6.06 ERA. Had the season cut short by a shoulder injury. Matt Harvey, 59 and two thirds, 7.09 ERA, 12 starts, released in July. Of that season. His
2: ERA was 709. I thought it was higher. <laughs> right. That's a lot better than I thought.
1: How about Trevor Cahill, who was signed to the staff to be part of the uh, back end of the rotation? He actually led the Angels in innings pitch that year 102 and a third. Too bad he had a 598 ERA, a 147 whip, and allowed 25 home runs in his 37 appearances. Mm-hmm. And then Jesse Chavez. 38 appearances, 21 starts, one of which I actually went out and watched. They played the Washington Nationals. I was in Anaheim for that game. It was fantastic. Angels ended up losing. 535 ERA, 140 whip coming out of the bullpen by the end of the season. When are we going to get it?
2: Well, maybe it's uh, Thor. Maybe Thor is the answer. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. It, I think it's worth the gamble for, for the Angels because if Sundergaard can pitch even close to what he used to be, there aren't that many – high-level high, high level starting pitchers out there on the market, first of all. Mm-hmm. I thought the Yankees made a huge mistake by grossly overpaying for um, Garrett. Garrett Cole? Garrett Cole. My hmm. um, mind mind's not in baseball mode right now. No, it's not. <clears throat> so I only wanted uh, to take a minute paid, on this. The risk. Yankees paid $324 million for Garrett Cole. That's way too much, especially for a guy who whose numbers looked a lot better when he was cheating on that Astros staff. And uh, – we saw what he we saw what he was last year for the Yankees when he couldn't cheat. Syndergaard one year twenty one million. I think the Angels are the type of team they have to do everything they can to win in 2021, 22, Sorry, right? Uh, because you've got Shohei, you got Mike Trout coming back healthy. Uh, you've actually got I think one of the best lineups in baseball. Heard it all before. The lineup is outstanding. <laughs> you have to do something about this pitching staff. And the Angels could be serious contenders. Now, Syndergaard's not where it stops. This is just where it starts. I think the Angels have to add two more high-quality starting pitchers behind Syndergaard to make this thing work. But my
1: whole point is we just went through that list. This is what – if history is any indicator, this is what they will do. This will be it. They will go and try to get other buy-low things, and they won't try to spend a lot. They won't dive into free agency. And like they were tied to like Robbie Ray, for example. I'll believe it when I see it, and even then they'll probably overpay for Robbie Ray, mm, right? Yeah. Like but this is what we do every year. Hey, it's a good st- you got a good lineup. You just got to get pitching. And then you go by low on a guy who's made two starts in the last two seasons, has been injury riddled and has a 9 ERA in those two starts. Like, come well, uh, Presumably he passed the physical, right? Yeah. Presumably. And again, if, at the end of go. the season, at the end of the season, I would be I would love to be wrong, but they well, this are is a gamble. Squ- it's this is a betting a
2: show. And this is what the Angels <laughs> are doing right now. They're they're gambling on uh, Noah Syndergaard, and uh, it's a 21 million dollar gamble. Yep. Uh, but, I, you know, we talked about the Rams pushing all in and saying we have to win now. The Angels absolutely have to do that. And, and you can't just stop at Cindergaard. I think you have to go out and get one more big-time pitcher and then another, like, tier
1: two type of starter, a guy who could be your number three guy. Um, if your staff next year is Otani, Cindergaard, and Robbie Ray, That's pretty good. That's pretty good staff to go For starters, on paper. On paper, correct. As long as those guys stay healthy. It's also buying on one solid season of Robbie Ray because, remember, (laughs) he did not look great at the end of his Arizona Diamondbacks career.
2: I mean, it's the same thing. You you always have to gamble on these pitchers. You don't know what they're going to be. How about Kevin Gossman? Look at some of the gambles that San Francisco Giants took to pay it off. And it worked for the
1: Giants. It has not worked for the Angels. It is not. Not at all. So, it's November, and uh, I'm irritated about Angels moves already. So, can't wait for next season, though. Can't wait. All right. No more baseball until
2: what? 2022. What are you talking about? There's lots of things. I can't even Hot say. stove season right. is what they say. <laughs> all right. We're all done. I can't wait to see what sort of bad moves the Yankees make. Yep. The Yankees are ready to spend. <laughs> they're probably not <laughs> going to spend wisely.
1: Slash podcast <laughs> slash JVT, and then just go to VC.com in general. We got a lot of good stuff up there. My guys in the desert coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.
2: Zumo Play.